Hi, this is Sammy Smiles, and I'm your host, Sammy Vance. This podcast is sure to leave you inspired and with a smile. Now let's get right into it. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to this week's episode of Sammy Smiles. I'm your host, Sammy Vance, and today I'm really excited to have Adina Lickman on my podcast. Adina is the founder of Knock Knock Give a Sock. Uh, Knock Knock Give a Sock um, is a non-for-profit that collects socks for people experiencing homelessness, and it also helps to build relationships between neighbors by bringing them closer together. Um, for dinner. And I think it's just such an amazing organization. And I was so excited uh, to learn all about it. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to share all that on your platform. Yeah, so thank you. Um, So I'm again, so happy that you're here today. And when I was preparing for this interview, I learned about how your mission and how it came about and everything about it. And it's just really amazing. When I started my Buddy Venture Project, I did it because I didn't want anyone to feel lonely um, because I've struggled with loneliness when I was younger and I know a ton of other people have. So what made you want to start Knock Knock Give a Sock? And how old were you when, um, how old were you at the time? I was a little bit older than you when I started. I was 21. I was in college and I was giving out sandwiches to some of my neighbors on the street. If you've ever been to New York City, you'll see your neighbors experiencing homelessness on the street. And so one day I was giving out sandwiches and one guy said to me, ma'am, it's so nice you're giving out sandwiches, but one thing we could really use are a pair of socks. And I very quickly realized that my socks weren't going to fit him. And even in my dorm room, I went upstairs, my pink socks, my polka dotted socks, they weren't going to be for him. So I decided to knock on every door on my floor in my dorm room. And in about 15 minutes, I got over 40 pairs of socks and it was pretty easy. So then I decided to venture out to more dorms and more college campuses. And basically by the time I was a senior in college, we had actually spread to over 20 college campuses and collected over 50,000 pairs of socks. That's amazing. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And then, so what I decided to do after that experience was I joke that I kind of became a sock celebrity on campus. Uh, And I would be asked to speak in different college campuses, churches, synagogues, and I would always ask the audience two questions. So I'm going to ask the question for you. Uh, Have you ever given money, food, or clothing to someone in need or through a donation bin? Yes. The second question I ask is, can you tell me the name of one person experiencing homelessness? I can't say I can. And you know what? You are not alone. That would happen in tons of classrooms, in tons of houses of worship, churches, synagogues. It would happen in corporate offices that decided they they want to collect socks too and they would ask me to come speak. And I realized that there's this disconnect. There were people who were so giving, right? Like yourself, people who cared about their community, cared about giving back. But there was a disconnect between actually really knowing the people that they were helping. And what I was thinking about is when it comes to any change across the United States that I've seen, everything begins with allies, right? Everything begins with having buddies, with having friends, with knowing people who are personally affected by these issues. Right? If we look at LGBTQ uh, plus programs right, and how same-sex marriage became legal, 
It was because people had family members and friends who were coming out. When we see the BLM uh, movement moving forward and gaining momentum, becoming more successful, it's because we have more people of color, more black people who are in our workspaces, who are in our classrooms, who we've developed relationships with. But then when we talk to communities that have resources and have actually given money, food, clothing, but you ask them, do you know somebody who's experiencing homelessness? And the answer is no. We need to build allies because we can, you know, we can provide as many resources as we want, but if we want to create change, we need to create allies so that these issues become on the forefront of people's minds because they affect people that they know personally. So my senior year of college, I decided to bring 50 of my college classmates and 50 people living in local shelters to have dinner side by side. And by the end of that dinner, college students were like, Adina, we can't tell who's homeless and who's not. They were meeting moms who couldn't afford childcare, dads who got out of prison, couldn't get jobs afterwards, people working minimum wage jobs as cashiers, but couldn't get, you know, but that wasn't enough money that they were making to actually get out of the shelter system. So now all of a sudden homelessness, you know, we wanted to create an opportunity where homelessness had a name and a face and a story. So when we create a dinner, bringing those 50 college students and 50 people living in local shelters to have dinners side by side, where no one was allowed to serve one another, it was all family style meal. Everyone was sitting together. Everyone was answering the same icebreaker questions. We were building those relationships and we were humanizing homelessness. And that's actually why our mission at Knock Knock Give a Sock is called is, is really humanizing homelessness one sock at a time by turning transactions into interactions. So that in really short terms, what we do is we engage corporate companies like JP Morgan, Facebook, WeWork, Salesforce to collect socks in their offices, but then afterwards, then invite their employees and people living in local shelters to have dinner side by side. And that's how we turn those transactions into interactions. I love that so much. And I love how you are connecting people. You're not just like giving or doing something. Um, you're not just giving, you are doing more than that. You're making, you're really changing lives like so much. And I think that's just amazing. And I love it so much. Um, so thank yeah. you for all your work. It's the best. Um, appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. So I have helped some of my friends create blessing bags for the homeless and I've donated money and stuff like that. Um, and one time my family brought water bottles on a hot day to distribute. And I have to admit that I didn't really take time to know or sit down to the people that we were giving water bottles to. Um, and I guess now I'm realizing that after hearing your story and everything that you're doing and I'm realizing I haven't really created friends out of the people. I haven't really gotten to know people um, like you're saying. And I think again, what, what you're doing is amazing. You once said that helping is better or helping is about listening and hearing the needs of different communities. I absolutely love that. And I think, I love it. I love it so much. Um, Thank you. Thank yeah. you I was giving out sandwiches and sandwiches were important, but the guy said to me, thanks for the sandwiches, but I actually need socks. And it reminded me that so often we assume the needs of our neighbors yeah. without asking the needs of our neighbors, right? So it's so good that we're giving out bags, but how much more impactful, right? That day that you were giving out bags, giving out water bottles, that as you were giving them out saying, hey, 
what's not in this bag that would be helpful to put in this bag next time, right? What yeah. you did was amazing and there's no taking away from that. But we're always trying to push ourselves to be better, to grow, to learn more. And I think it's in those moments when we have those meaningful interactions to actually ask, right? How can I help you? Yeah, I love it so much. And honestly, again, I think what you do is such an eye opener. And for so many people, it's amazing. Thank you. Um, well, I, in terms of your work, especially, right? Um, this is going to sound bizarre because there's no statistics on what I'm about to say. So no one quote me from a, from a statistical standpoint. Um, but there's, a, you know, the leading cause of homelessness on paper is lack of affordable housing, right? But I believe that one of the leading causes of, of homelessness is loneliness and lack of networks, right? If you one day, you know, I know you're, you're probably still living at home with your folks, but you move out and hopefully this doesn't happen, but you lose a job or you fall behind a couple of paychecks, you can move in with your family. You can't move in with your parents, maybe you have cousins, maybe you have friends, right? Um, but if you grew up in poverty, you don't have those resources, right? It's much harder for a family to take you in at a time when you're not able to bring anything in because it's another mouth to feed during a time that's already pretty difficult. And a lot of times it's, it's that lack of resources or lack of network or lack of people in your life that you can really rely on. And um, so that's why I say the leading cause of homelessness very often is actually loneliness. I think that's amazing. And I think that's not something much people notice or realize or um, think about. So again, thank you for sharing. I think that's true. And I, yeah, I love it. Um, those, those buddy chairs and programs that you have, you know, outside homeless shelters, I think would be in a much better place. That would be so cool. I would, I would love to get some of my buddy benches um, near homeless shelters. That would be so amazing. And I feel yeah. like we should team up. We should team up and do something with that. We should. I think that would be awesome. Yeah. So can you talk to us a little bit more about your mission or you've said quite a bit. So maybe um, something about how you've um, seen the community impacted around you. Yeah. So I would say, um, you know, I know I spoke about the meet your neighbor dinners and why they're important from a, from a more uh, like vague aspect of it, you know, um, but one thing that I would like to talk about is some of the, the stories that I've heard. A lot of times people say, what, like someone who's living in a shelter is going to come in and sit down and have dinner with a JP Morgan executive. Isn't that hard? Isn't that difficult? Is that uncomfortable? And what I always tell them is they see us walking to our fancy schools, our fancy cars, our fancy jobs, our houses, right? But what we don't do is we don't stop and acknowledge them, right? So when we say, hey, why don't we have dinner? And you actually come and sit down in my offices with me, in our, in our community centers with us, that's when we're inviting them to the table. And it's actually not this weird power dynamic where we're like, what, you know, are they uncomfortable? If anything, they're honored. It's like all these people have kind of just ignored them or avoided them. We're actually inviting them to the table, uh, which is something that's super powerful. We've actually, uh, there are, two quotes uh, from people who've come to our dinners that I find super important. Uh, one was a woman who got up at her dinner and she said, in society, I feel invisible. And when I don't feel invisible, I feel like I'm annoying. In society, 
But at these dinners, I feel like I'm part of society. There was another man who we had a meet your neighbor dinner in Brooklyn. And he said, I've lived in Brooklyn for over 25 years. And I never thought my Brooklyn would look like this. Black people and white people sitting together at the, at the same table. The only time I've ever talked to a white person before was when they were my lawyer. He said, these dinners need to happen. We need to build connection. A lot of times we don't talk, you know, we don't talk out, you know, outwardly about race because we try to focus on homelessness, but these dinners are super focused on race. You walk into a room and 95% of people who are coming from shelters are black and 95% of people who are coming from homes are white. And you can't help but notice that race plays a role in, in these different in these different places that people end up. And you can't help but see the systematic racism that's at play. So uh, those are some of the effects from people who are living in shelters, from people who are living in homes. Some of the impacts that we've seen uh, are really, are really eye-opening. I like to say that antennas are being built, which is a funny way of putting it. But let's say, God forbid, somebody finds out that a family member of theirs is sick with cancer. What typically ends up happening is that person starts noticing oncology centers, treatment centers, hospitals, people who are missing their hair way more because suddenly it becomes personal. They're more familiar with cancer and all the stuff it comes with. So when you sit someone down next to someone who's coming from a homeless shelter and they become friends with John, they learn John's story and they learn John's predicament. When they leave that dinner, the guy who used to be a part of the street can't help but become much more noticeable, right? They can't walk by the streets the same way again without noticing that even though that guy on the street isn't John, it could have been John. And John is someone who is a friend of his now. Uh, so I like to say that these dinners were really creating antennas and the amount of emails that I've gotten after these meet your neighbor events saying, hey, I actually reached out to my neighbor who I passed by every single day for the last 10 years and I actually introduced myself because of this event. Um, and that's really the... Uh, that's really the biggest change that I think we're, we're creating. We're creating stakeholders among people who have resources uh, to make homelessness personal to them and make them notice their neighbors on the street to make a notice, make a change one in their community, but also hopefully on a policy level based on how they vote, based on issues that they become passionate about. I have chills. I love those stories. And they're just like, those are so inspiring and I'm so happy that you're able to share them because like I said, I literally had chills. There's just like, so I love it. And everything you're doing, like they're clear, it's clearly making such a big impact in this world and it's amazing. So again, thank you for all your work. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Um, so I know the pandemic has changed um, a way that a lot of organizations in different places have operated. I think that it's, to me, it's like a way that people can look at things in a different light. I feel that it was um, sometimes hard for me to inspire people um, during the pandemic. It was sometimes hard with my buddy bench project, but I found new ways to um to spread kindness through like sending smiles and stuff like that. So to me, actually, the pandemic has helped me more than anything in my Buddy Bench project. I've been able to um, find different ways to 
send smiles and to send happiness to be kind and I also started my podcast so that's another way that I've hopefully been able to inspire people um so yeah out of the um out of all the time with the pandemic and everything I think that it's helped and um, I know that you authored two children's books on homelessness, homelessness sorry, um, which were written during the pandemic, um, when you can do like in-person events and meeting everyone, um, the dinner and everything. So I think that's really amazing. So what are these books about? And can you tell us a little bit about what gave you the idea for them? Sure, thank you. So actually, yeah, when the pandemic hit, we didn't have any companies collecting socks. We couldn't hire our we have a Soxfest job program, which hires people living in shelters to help us distribute those socks. We couldn't hire our Soxfest job program. I had to let go of my two employees. We couldn't have any meet your neighbor lunches or dinners. And basically everything fell apart. And in full transparency for a good six months, I just cried. Like really just like a mess, figuring out what was going to happen next. And then eventually I realized that I need to figure out a new way to humanize homelessness. Um, and I was living with my sister and her kids during the pandemic, five of them, all between the ages of four and nine, um, all five of them during the pandemic. So we had quite an age range. Uh, and I would tell them a lot of stories at night. And it was during that time that I realized that I was not too bad of a storyteller. And I was thinking how we can humanize homelessness uh, and share a message of our neighbors during this time. So that's when I thought about writing a set of children's books. So we call it the Pair of Books Project, uh, a play on a pair of socks. Um, so that means we, we wrote a pair of books. We wrote two books. Uh, one is called Knock, Knock, Give a Sock. And one is called Knock, Knock, Where's My Sock? So Knock, Knock, Give a Sock is about a little girl named Dee Dee who starts collecting socks for her neighbors on the street and ends up getting nicknamed um, the Sock Fairy. Right. So Didi starts collecting socks for Diego, ends up meeting all of Diego's friends and ends up becoming a sock fairy and makes a huge impact in her neighborhood. Throughout the book, Didi actually meets her neighbors on the streets and hears their stories and tells them in a child appropriate way. So that not only is it about Didi collecting socks, but it's about learning who our neighbors on the street are. The other book that I wrote um, is actually called Knock Knock, Where's My Sock? It's about a little girl whose family moves into a family shelter. But during the move, she loses the matching pair to her lucky sock. She thinks, what can I do if I just have one? And she tries it first as a bracelet, but it's too big for her hand. She tries it as a bag, but it's too small for her toys. She ends up putting it over her eyes like a superhero mask and starts and literally turns into a super sock hero and starts a superhero club at the shelter where her and all the other kids living in the shelter put on these superhero masks that they make through socks and they do random acts of kindness throughout New York City. And they actually get recognized by the city for all the work that they do. So what's great about these books is you hear about two little girls in two different living situations who both make an impact in their neighborhood regardless of their housing status. And that was the most important thing to me. We want to create books that were appropriate whether you're a kid living in a shelter or living in a home to show kids that no matter how much or how little you have, you can make an impact in your neighborhood. And you could, in both books, these girls aren't doing it alone. They're actually engaging all of their friends, all of their community members in helping them make an impact. 
And that was also a really important lesson that leaders don't lead alone. It's not about me. It's not about the I. It's about working together. Uh, so that's really uh, how to best sum up these two books. And unfortunately, the word homeless carries such a big stigma. So neither of these books do we use the word homeless. In one book, in this book, we talk about our neighbors on the street. And on the other book, we talk about just families that are living in shelters and a little bit why families end up in shelters and what that means and what a shelter is. I love that so much. And I think everyone should go buy those books because they're amazing. And yes, I love it. So thank Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for giving me the platform to share them. Yeah. Thank you. Um, So we've talked about a ton and I think, again, everything you're doing is super inspiring and amazing. Um, Is there anything else you want to share before we get on to the rapid fire round? I want to just say one thing. Everyone asks me, what do I do when I see someone on the street? Do I give money? Do I not give money? What should I do? And I always say the most important thing you can do is actually exactly what you promote doing. Share a smile. And um, what I encourage is, especially if you see anybody with a cardboard sign or a cup they're shaking and they're actually telling you, hey, here's my story, or you see somebody on the subway or the train telling their story, these are people who are looking for human connection. They're trying to tell you their story. And so often people are just trying to avoid eye contact. Make eye contact. Give empathy. Tell them, hey, I'm sorry, I don't have anything, but what's your name? Maybe if I pass by here again. I'll have a dollar or maybe I can, you know, bring by a granola bar or something like that, but really creating empathy um, and building a relationship. And hopefully next time you see that person, you'll be like, Hey George, good to see you again. Have a great day. I'm telling you that will go way farther than a dollar will. I love that so much. And I think that's amazing. And I, I encourage everyone to do so. Um, so thank you for sharing. And if you're ready for the rapid fire round that I am. Let's do it. All right, I'll just ask you a few questions and you can answer with the first thing that comes to mind. Okay, favorite food? Mac and cheese. Do you like rain or snow better? Oh, snow. Favorite superhero? Mm, uh, Wonder Woman. Favorite socks? Favorite socks, I really like Bombas. They're buy one, give one, we get 50,000 a year. Awesome. Um, so you live in New York and I love New York and I want to go there again. Uh, so what's your favorite moment um, that you've had in, in there so far? Mm, oh my God. So many. Oh my gosh. There's so many. But the other night I had, there was an article where the mayor of New York city, mayor Adams, there's an article saying that he wanted to start giving out socks to his neighbors on the street as a way to build trust with them, to get them into more housing and more programming and more, uh, more support here in New York city. I got this email from my colleague at Wednesday at 6 p.m. And I said, okay, tomorrow our mission is to try to figure out how to connect with the mayor's office. Two hours later, I walked into a taco shop. They were having a private event and Mayor Adams was there and I was able to connect with him. And now him and I are texting. So New York City is a magical place uh, and things that you manifest come to light. I love that so much. That's amazing. Yeah. So do you prefer Broadway or movies? Mm, Broadway. I agree. Um, If you could have lunch with anyone in the world, who would it be? Sarah Blakely, founder of Spanx. Incredible female entrepreneur. (laughs) Nice. Um, Cats or dogs? Ooh, dogs. What's your favorite random act of kindness? 
Um, honestly, I'm biased, but whenever I see people uh, who are experiencing homelessness and someone who very clearly is not experiencing homelessness sitting together and having conversations. Yeah, I love that. Um, where can people find you on social media to follow your amazing journey? Um, at knock, knock, give a sock. No spaces. Just exactly how it's spelled. Knock, knock, give a sock. Awesome. I'll make sure to follow Adina and her amazing journey. And for the last question to ask all my guests, what is something that makes you smile? What is something that makes me smile? Talking to strangers. I love that. I think that's amazing. And again, thank you so much for being on my podcast. Like, honestly, this is such an eye-opening conversation. And I like, I love it so much. And I, it's definitely made me smile. And I hope it's making everyone else smile as well. Um, And yeah, I'm hoping it's inspiring everyone as it is me, because this is amazing. So thank you so much for sharing your journey and being on my podcast. Thank you so much. And also just my last plug, if anyone is interested in buying the books, go to our website, kkgs.org. And there's, uh, there's an area at the top of the page where you click books and I'll take you straight to the link to buy a set of books. Uh, But really, thank you so much. And Sammy, next time you're in New York City, please let me know. Definitely. Yes, I would love that. Make sure to um, buy her books and we should definitely team up and do a project and meet in person. It would be amazing. Um, Thank you so much. Thank you so much again. Um, And for everyone listening, remember that you don't just have to be an adult to make a difference. You could be a kid too. I hope you have a great day. Bye. Have a great day.